reading this evening is taken from Luke chapter 22, and it's page 1057 in the Church Bibles. We begin at verse 1. Now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas, Judas went to the chief priests and officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, make preparations there. And they left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When they are came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everybody. Thank you, Steve. Uh, just to explain for any visitors among you, uh, you're very welcome. My name's Jonathan. I'm the vicar here. And uh, do say hello afterwards. Just before we get going, two short adverts. Um, with the start of Lent, we, are, we have a Lent book as a church. 
we're encouraging people to read this book by John Mark Comer, Practicing the Way. Please don't be put off by the American spelling of the word practicing. He is American, so that is allowed. Um, but the content is brilliant, even if the spelling isn't. And uh, there, are, there are just three or four of those available on the welcome desk, though you, as many as you like available online, and we'll get some more. But I really commend that. It's about following Jesus, as it says, being with him, becoming like him, learning to do what he did. Uh, one of the best ways to be with Jesus is to take time each day in prayer. And for those of you who've never started a daily quiet time or time of prayer, or those of you who got completely stuck in what you do, uh, I've reissued these notes I wrote a few years ago with a short guide on being with Jesus, and then uh, some verses and things to pray through each week through Lent. Um, these are will have been, uh, an, oh, there's a digital version in the Friday email, as Eleanor said, if you don't get it, sign up at the welcome desk afterwards. But there are four copies of paper ones afterwards. So if you prefer, if you're a dinosaur like me and you think on paper rather than digitally, do please, or you're incapable of printing one off for yourself, pick one up. They're there. Here endeth the adverts. <clears throat> so now I'm going to lead in prayer as you gather. We're, we've been reading through Luke for over a year now and we're approaching the cross. Normally it's just the two weeks before Easter we really do this. This year, we've got a full sort of six weeks in Luke approaching the cross, which is an extraordinary opportunity to make sure we all get to reflect a little bit more than usual on what Jesus did for us. So let's pray that he'd help us. Lord Jesus, with every year that goes by, I'm more amazed at your love that led you to leave the glory of heaven and come to this earth to reveal the love of God. But to die for our sins on that cross. And as we were hearing Steve reading a minute ago, we know we're on holy ground, as you shared with the disciples in that upper room. Uh, whether we've been Christians for many years, and this is very familiar, or whether we're here new and just dipping our toe in the water, wondering if it's true, come by your Spirit and speak to us tonight. Meet with us. Now as we look at your words, and then in a few minutes' time, through bread and wine, as we do what you told us. And we ask this in your great name. Amen. So it was the festival of unleavened bread, the Passover. And there's sort of two festivals that came together in the Jewish world. The unleavened bread festival is the early agricultural one, uh, this, at Easter time, Passover time. Then there's one round about Pentecost, and then there's an autumn one. Uh, there's the Unleavened Bread Festival combined with Passover, which celebrates the rescue from Egypt. Now, some of you will know the story well. Those of you who are relatively new to us won't, so I shall tell the story. Uh, the Jews were down in Egypt as slaves. They were, they'd gone down with Joseph. You remember Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat from your primary school, for those of you for whom this is all new. They went down to Egypt, uh, and they became an enormous nation the Pharaoh was worried and oppressed them. The more he oppressed them, the more they grew. But their slavery was terrible. And God heard the cry of the Israelites. And he prepared Moses as a rescuer who went and had this showdown with Pharaoh. There were the 10 plagues. They got worse and worse and worse. To start off with, it says, Pharaoh hardened his heart and wouldn't let them go. Pharaoh hardened his heart and wouldn't let them go. Eventually, God hardened his heart. It's a dangerous thing, saying no to God. There comes a point of no return. And Pharaoh passed that. 
and then the awful 10th plague where Moses said that the firstborn of every family, every animal would die when the, part, when the angel passed over. Apart from in the houses where there was blood on the doorpost because a lamb had been sacrificed uh, instead. So the Israelites were told to Steve, I've got a bit of an echo going on in my If it's in my head, there's not much you can do about that. If it's, if it's around about, uh, that would be wonderful and that would help me think more clearly. If it's inside, I'm afraid there's nothing you can do and I need to go and see someone about that. But, so the Israelites were told to sacrifice a lamb, a year old, without blemish. They were to pack, ready to go. They were to prepare unleavened bread. There wasn't time for it to rise. Just have the unleavened bread and to consume the Passover lamb, and to put some of the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, then when the angel of death passed over, he would see that someone had died, the lamb had died instead as a substitute, and pass over that house. And so it happened that night in every Egyptian house, the firstborn had died, in none of the Israelites. And the Egyptians finally had had enough, and they told the Israelites to get out, Pharaoh told them to go, they gave them gifts, just go. And the Israelites left. And uh, you may well know the story how Pharaoh decided it was a bad idea to let them go. He'd lost his slave labor, chased after them, but they crossed through the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was drowned in the Red Sea. The Israelites met with God at Sinai and there was a new covenant. God gave the Ten Commandments and said, I will be your God and you will be my people. And they were on the way to the promised land. It took them a bit longer to get there than it should have done uh, because they weren't the most obedient, but they got there. Uh, that is the story of the Passover. And the, the Israelites would celebrate this every year. Every year. Passover is always at full moon. When we get to Easter, you'll know Easter is at Passover time. You'll see it's a full moon. Uh, it was the first full moon after the vernal equinox. So it's never before March the 21st, but it's relatively early this year. And they would gather as a family, extended family, and any... Uh, lonely people around, aliens, strangers, foreigners, would be gathered in to celebrate. It's a bit like uh, when we do Christmas, we gather the family together and have a big party, but we do church, the religious bit, and then we do the pig out. They do it all together, the Jews. They tell the story with a meal, with celebration, with four glasses of wine, a proper party, with a and, and the liturgy goes through, and each family would develop their own, presided over by the head of the family, might have been the grandfather. There was a role for the young children to ask, why is this night different, and why do we eat bitter herbs, and what's all this about? And the father, would, they would develop their own liturgy and their own family jokes. One of them I came across said to the children, after they asked the question, and why do you always ask the same questions when you always get the same answers? And it's just, little, there would be these family jokes. And it was a tradition. And the disciples would have grown up doing Passover in their families, slightly different ways, according to each family, every year. And then this year came, and it was different. Now, just to go back to the Passover meal, one of the things that would happen would be the breaking of the unleavened bread and the passing it round. And the father of the family would normally say something like, this is the bread of affliction which our fathers ate in the wilderness. So they weren't just remembering what happened perhaps 1,200 years ago at the time of Jesus. 
But in eating it, they were sort of becoming part of it, the story themselves. They were entering afresh into the story of what it was for the Jews to be a nation. And this, is part, this was their story, how God had saved them from the slavery of Egypt and rescued them with the lambs that were sacrificed, how he'd brought them to be his people, they, he would be their God and the covenant at Sinai, how he brought them to the promised land. This is the story. And they would tell it year after year. The family rituals would grow uh, as a great party, a festival. They would have... Um, they used to have a yeast hunt as well. So they'd get rid of all yeast because it's the unleavened bread. One of the things that developed would be getting rid of all yeast from the house. So you know how we have Easter egg hunts for the kids at Easter. They would have a sort of yeast hunt and uh, make sure, but the opposite, they, they shouldn't be able to find any. But classically, the, the mums meant to have cleared the house through so they couldn't find any. Uh, but she'd usually leave a little bit for them to find. And the children say, Mum, you've forgotten a bit. And the dad would say, Oh, darling, you've missed a bit. And it was, it was all part of the, the ritual of what was going on. And yeast became a bit of symbolism for getting rid of what's bad. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. All of this was going on. And then the disciples, three years into their time with Jesus, are in Jerusalem. And Jesus says he's going to share the Passover with them. They're not with their families. Perhaps the first time they've never been with their family. You know it's weird, uh, the first time you're not at home for Christmas. It feels slightly strange, doesn't it? And here they are, and Jesus is building a new community, his church, his new family, that transcends all other differences. And they are to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover. Everything about that night would have been etched in the disciples' memory. Uh, for those who went to find the upper room, Jesus had prepared it all in advance. You'll meet the man carrying a jar of water on his head. Normally, that was what the women would do. It would be very rare to meet a man doing that, so it was pretty clear who it would be. They followed him. Jesus knew that the, the authorities were trying to arrest him. He needed to be discreet. So he's arranged this uh, quietly and privately. The disciples go. They find this furnished upper room. Uh, in Jerusalem, and they make ready for the Passover. Luke doesn't tell us what John tells us, that when they gathered, no one would do the role of the servant and wash the feet. They've all got muddy feet. They wear sandals. Jerusalem's dusty and dirty. They're reclining at table. They don't want muddy feet next to their noses when they're eating. So there'd be a bowl of water. John tells us Jesus took off his outer garment, took the towel, and washed their feet. They would have remembered this, just etched on their memory. And then they have the meal, the meal they're so familiar with. Uh, the lamb, the glasses of wine. There would have been great joy and laughter and telling stories and uh, in-jokes. They would have teased each other. And Jesus, being the head of the family, as it were, this new community, would have told the story. And he gets to the point where he breaks the bread. They knew the liturgy. He should say, this is the bread of affliction our fathers shared in the wilderness and break it and he changed the words he said this is my body which is broken for you and then he changed the words with the wine and he said this is my blood which is poured out for you eat this drink this in remembrance of me what was going on what was going on is that Jesus is saying something more significant than the Passover was happening. 
The Passover, if you like, was a prototype. It pointed the way God did rescue. But this is the real rescue. There is a slavery worse than the slavery in Egypt, and that's the slavery to sin. All of us have sinned. All of us know how it gets a grip on us. And we cannot free ourselves from it. We need to be forgiven. And Jesus came to set us free from that slavery. There was a substitute more precious than the lambs that were sacrificed at Passover. This was Jesus himself, the Lamb of God, sacrificed in our place. He would die at Passover time, taking the sins of the whole world. There's a relationship with God available to us much closer than the relationships that the ancient Israelites had. For them, the new relationship with God at Mount Sinai, I will be your God, you will be my people. Now we can know God as Father. Jesus says to, to us to pray, our Father. And there's a promised land we're heading for, more wonderful than Canaan, where the Jews were going, the land flowing with milk and honey. We are on our way to the new heavens and the new earth for all eternity. And the ancient Passover uh, points forward to what would happen on the cross. And Jesus, in changing the words, saying, this is what that pointed to. This is more significant. That theme of Jesus being the Passover lamb is picked up in the New Testament. Uh, for example, here's Paul from 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Get rid of the old yeast. Remember the symbolism of yeast representing all that's wrong. So you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And that theme runs through the New Testament, that Jesus, the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world, has died in my place and in your place. Now, what about Judas in this story? We'll come back to Judas uh, a little later on. But as well as there being rescue in Passover, the Israelites were rescued, there was judgment that fell on Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Pharaoh, you may remember, had hardened his heart hardened his heart, hardened his heart, and there came the point where God hardened his heart. It strikes me that the same thing had happened with Judas. We don't know what was going on in Judas. People's best conjecture is he wanted Jesus to throw out the Romans, and when Jesus wouldn't do that, he tried to force his hand. We don't know. We're told that he kept the money and he used to steal from it. But clearly there was an, an increasing mismatch inside Judas between what Jesus was doing and what he wanted. And whatever it was, at the start of our reading, we went, went, he went to the authorities to betray Jesus for money and looked for a time to do it. And it won't be long till we get to the story of how he leads Jesus to Gethsemane. And Luke tells us that Satan entered into Judas. There's this, we don't know how long the run-up to this was, but there came a point of no return just as there was with Pharaoh, that Judas makes his choice. He's going to betray Jesus. In John's Gospel, John paints the picture extraordinarily that Jesus says to Judas, what you have to do, go and do. And he, he, they think he's going to buy something. But he goes out into the night. And uh, John can picture him framed by the door, going out into the darkness of night. 
And in Greek, just three words, ein deinux, it was night. He could picture Judas going out into the darkness. It's a reminder that if people keep saying no to God, there comes a point where they've made that decision fully. Uh, but we are to keep saying yes to Jesus. And Jesus tells us to do this in remembrance of him. And that's why we're doing this tonight. It's one of the great privileges I have of dividing up how we look at the scriptures. Uh, we've gone through Luke's gospel, but it's been a nice little jigsaw puzzle each term, thinking how do we do it? So we get to Easter at Easter. And being able to shape it so we come to share communion at the time when we're looking at a passage like this. And Jesus tells us to do this in remembrance of him. How often should we do it? Well, the, the Christian church has uh, as many different interpretations and possibilities as you can imagine. There are some parts of the church that say, well, Jesus meant a Passover time. You do it once a year. Other parts of the church that mean, well, no, breaking bread, drinking wine was like every meal. This is daily. This is saying grace. The Anglicans, we're somewhere in the middle. <laughs> so we're, we're, in this church, we have eight communion every, every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock every week for those who would appreciate communion. We have communion roughly once a month at the morning service, the evening service, and midweek. My hunch is that we should probably have communion a bit more often, because Jesus told us to do this. But there's a debate we can have. The main thing is that tonight, that's what we're going to do. We are going to eat bread and drink wine in remembrance of Jesus. So as we come to prepare to do that, be really good just to be still. That image of getting rid of all the yeast that represents sin. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. The, the way the families would have had a yeast hunt to get rid of it. Just to be still. So let's just take another moment. We've done a, the Eleanor led us in a confession earlier. But I think just to be still. And in the stillness, dear Lord Jesus, we pray that you would pour out your spirit. And if there is anything coming between us and you, that you would just gently point that out to us, that we can bring it to the foot of your cross and know your forgiveness. Thank you that you are, Lord Jesus, the Passover lamb who died in our place. Thank you that you died for the sins of the whole world and that nothing is too big for you to forgive. Let's just take another minute, just allowing the Lord to search us. And we confess, Lord, our, that need of forgiveness. So wash us clean, we pray. And by your spirit, help us to know that you paid the price for us. And we are set free. And to celebrate that freedom, just as the Jews celebrate the Passover, and still do. We praise you for the price you paid. And as we come to share bread and wine tonight. Fill us afresh with wonder, we pray, at the price you pay. We praise you for this relationship with you, much closer and deeper 
than the ancient Israelites could have known. Praise you, Lord Jesus, that your Father is our Father and we are adopted into your family. And we praise you that we are heading for an, a, a glorious eternity in the new heaven and new earth that you are preparing to make, far more wonderful than the promised land the Israelites were heading for. So not only, we pray, would you set us free from our sin, but fill us with your spirit and set us looking forward as your pilgrim people to that great day when Jesus comes again or we die, whichever is first, and we are with you in the new eternity. And all these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's let the band come back.